Hi. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm in the right place. My dear friend Dawson Church is a jewel, isn't he? I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to look them in the eye. And I want you to introduce yourself as a genius. Let's begin. So, <clears throat> this one day workshop is about you. It's an opportunity for you to retreat from your life for just one day and to remove the constant stimulation in your external environment that reminds you of who you think you are as a personality. To separate yourself from the people you know, and the places you go, and the things that you do at the exact same time every single day, long enough for us to remind you of what you already know that you are actually the creator of your life. And we are going to develop concepts and ideas in one day. And every time you learn something new, you make new connections in your brain. That's what learning is. Learning is forging new synaptic connections. And as you begin to leave imprints in your neurological tissue as a result of your interaction in the environment, the next thing is that you're going to have an opportunity then to apply that information, to personalize it, to demonstrate it. And a certain people, group of people, will get their behaviors to match their intentions, to get their actions equal to their thoughts. They'll step out into the unknown and they'll try it. And when they do, they'll have a new experience. And experience then enriches the brain reorganizing more circuits than what you understood physiologically. But the moment those neurons string into place, the brain makes a chemical, and that chemical is called a feeling or an emotion. And the moment you feel unlimited, the moment you feel like a patient parent, the moment you feel abundant, the moment you feel free, now you are teaching your body chemically to understand what your mind has intellectually understood. So we can say knowledge is for the mind and experience is for the body. And in that moment, you're beginning to embody the truth of that philosophy, of that theory. And you're literally signaling new genes in new ways. And you are rewriting your biological program. But if you've done it once, it must mean you can do it again. And if you can repeat any experience over and over again, you are going to neurochemically condition your mind and body to begin to work as one. And when you've done something so many times that the body now knows how to do it as well as the mind, now it's becoming innate in you. It's second nature. It's easy. It's familiar. It's who you are. As a matter of fact, you've practiced it so many times that you don't even have to consciously think about it because it's becoming a subconscious program. So our job is to go from philosopher to initiate to master, from knowledge to experience to wisdom, from mind to body to soul, 
from thinking to doing to being, to learning it with your head, practicing it with your hands, and knowing it by heart. And you and I have all the biological and neurological machinery to do this. And this is a time in history where it's not enough to know. This is a time in history to know how. And I can tell you from my last five years of traveling around the world, the common people that look just like you are doing the uncommon. They're healing themselves of very serious health conditions. They're creating better opportunities and better lives for themselves, new careers. They're healing old scars and wounds that kept them connected to the past. And they're having mystical experiences that transcend language that take them years to be able to understand and explain. And they look just like you. That most people in their life wait for that crisis or the trauma, the disease or the diagnosis, some kind of loss, betrayal in their life before they make up their mind to change. And my message has always been, why wait? Why wait for that tragedy before you decide to change who you are? That when you begin to apply these principles because you understand that they work, then it means then you'll believe in a future more than you believe in your past. And people who do the work are more in love with their future than they are with their past. And they're more interested in telling the story of possibility in their future than reliving the emotions and experiences of the past. And you know, the beauty behind all of this is that you don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be a rabbi. You don't have to have 40 years of meditation. You don't have to be a scholar or an academic. As a matter of fact, it's better if you're not. Because the simplicity of all of this, when people begin to apply it, is they begin to experience the fruits of their efforts. And I can tell you there isn't a person in this room that is so special to be excluded from this phenomenon. And that your thoughts literally have an effect on your body. That all thoughts carry an energy or a frequency. And if you believe that on some level that your thoughts have something to do with your body or your life, and you're thinking 60 to 70,000 thoughts in one day, and 90% of those thoughts are the same redundant thoughts as the day before, it's going to produce the same measurable effects in your body, yes or no? And you are going to begin to emit the same energy and information in your field. And you are going to keep creating the same life. So then the same thoughts always lead to the same choices. The same choices always lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors create the same experiences. And the same experiences produce the same feelings and the same emotions. And those very same emotions drive your very same thoughts. And your biology, your neurocircuitry, your neurochemistry, your hormones, and even your genetic expression is equal to how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And how you think, how you act, and how you feel is called your personality. And your personality creates your personal reality. That's it. That's it. So if you wanted to create a new personal reality, a new life, you would have to change your personality, yes or no? 
That means then you would have to start thinking about what you've been thinking about and change it. Yes? You would have to become aware of your unconscious habits and behaviors and modify them. True? Even what you say and how you talk. And you would have to look at those emotions that keep you connected to your past because emotions are the end product of past experiences. And you would have to decide, do these emotions belong in my future? That means if you want to be wealthy, you can't take lack or unworthiness. Wealthy person would never feel that way. So most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality, and it doesn't work. You're literally going to have to become someone else. So the principle in neuroscience says that nerve cells that fire together. So if you keep thinking the same thoughts, making the same choices, demonstrating the same behaviors, create the same experiences that stamp the same networks of neurons into the same patterns, all for the familiar feeling called you, then wouldn't you agree then if you've done that over and over again, firing and wiring, firing and wiring, emotionally conditioning and signaling the body in the same way into the past? If you did that, I don't know, let's be conservative. 25 years? Would you agree then you would begin to hardwire your brain into a very finite signature? Yes? And that finite signature is called your identity. And it's a fact that by the time we're 35 years old, we become memorized to a set of automatic programs, behaviors, beliefs, perceptions, emotional reactions that function subconsciously. So then the first process of change then would become conscious of your unconscious thoughts, yes or no? And because of the size of the frontal lobe, which is 40% of your entire brain, the crowning achievement of the human being the fact that you can observe how you're thinking, notice how you're acting, and pay attention to how you're feeling, the moment you can observe that, it means you're no longer the program, yes or no? You're the consciousness observing the program, and you're beginning to objectify your subjective self. You're no longer your biology. You're the consciousness observing who you are, yes or no? Yes. So then the word meditation then literally means to become familiar with. That's what it means. That's the symbol. So then if you begin to become familiar with how you've been thinking and you're so conscious of those unconscious thoughts like I can't, what's wrong with me, it's too hard, I'll never change, I'll never make it, I'm too tired, nobody loves me. Those are the thoughts that are slipping by your analytical mind unchecked and beginning to program your autonomic nervous system into the same destiny. The moment you become aware of what comes out of your mouth and how you act, whether you blame or complain or make excuses for yourself or judge other people, the moment you become aware of that, if you're so familiar with that program, would you agree the more conscious you are of that unconscious habit, the less likely you're to go unconscious? Yes or no? Yes. And it would take an act of will to stay present and aware. Yes or no? And if you're becoming so familiar with the emotions that you've been living by every day for the last 20 years that you didn't even know that you were guilty because it just felt like you. And it was so, 
so comfortable suffering that you felt really good to feel bad. But you didn't know that because that's just how you've been feeling. Yes or no? And then all of a sudden you become conscious. Oh my God, what have I been doing? The moment you become aware of that then, it means then you're less likely to lower your energy and your emotional state during your day because you would become conscious of it. Yes or no? And what if then you decided what thoughts do I want to put my attention behind? Let me review them, how a great person would think. What would be the internal dialogue they would have? And you began to fire and wire those circuits in your brain. And if you did that a few times, you would begin to install some circuits in your brain, yes or no? And if you kept thinking that way, firing and wiring, the hardware would become a software program, yes or no? And who knows? In your waking day, you may start thinking like a great person. Because the circuits are there, yes or no? And if you said, I'm going to master this day, one day, one lifetime, how would an unlimited person live today? And you began to rehearse in your mind who you were going to be before you opened your eyes. The act of rehearsing mentally, when you're truly present, your brain does not know the difference between what's going on out there and what's going on in here. And all of a sudden, you begin to install more circuits in your brain, priming it all of a sudden, Installing those circuits so that you have the hardware in place to act like that person, yes or no? Come on. And if you've done that enough times, would you all of a sudden start acting like that person? In your waking day, because you've primed your brain instead of to be a record of the past, that now it's becoming a map to the future, yes or no? And then what if you said, now this is... To me, greatness. Can I teach my body emotionally what my future is going to feel like before it's made manifest? Now, this is the challenge because we've studied this so much. Most people wait for their wealth to feel abundant and worthy. They wait for their success to feel empowerment. They wait for the healing to feel gratitude and wholeness. They wait for their new relationship to feel love. Or they wait for the mystical moment to occur to feel awe. That means then we're victims to our environment. We're waiting for something outside of us to change how we feel inside of us. And the moment we feel better inside of us, we pay attention to whoever or whatever caused it. And that event in and of itself is called a memory. That's Newtonian physics, cause and effect. In other words, if people are in lack or they're empty or they're suffering, they're waiting for some external exogenous condition to change how they feel. And what happens if it doesn't happen? They spend the rest of their life fighting for it, trying to control it, manipulating it, trying to make it happen because they're separate from possibility. But don't you know that the moment you start feeling wholeness, your healing begins. 
The moment you start feeling worthy and abundant, you're walking towards your future called wealth. The moment you're empowered by a vision in every single day, you're living in that energy, you are going to tune into a new future. And synchronicities and serendipities are going to begin to happen all around you. The moment you're in love with yourself and you're in love with life, you're going to magnetize an equal. And the moment you're in awe of knowledge and information, you're going to have a mystical experience. And that's causing an effect. And so then, if science tells us that the environment signals the gene, are you with me? And all genes make proteins. And proteins are responsible for the structure and the function of your body. And genes are like Christmas tree lights. They turn on and off all the time, and we've measured this. Would you agree then that if an experience in your environment produces an emotion, and science tells us it's the environment that signals the gene, when you begin to experience the emotion ahead of the environmental experience, you're signaling the gene to begin to make new proteins to prepare the body for that future experience. Are you with me? Now you're in alignment biologically with the destiny, neurologically, chemically, hormonally. And all of a sudden now, this is the beauty. If you're able to then maintain that state of mind and body, where there's physical evidence in your brain and body to look like the experience has already occurred because you're doing the work, then the magic starts to happen in your life and it comes out of nowhere. Those coincidences, those opportunities that begin to unfold are unfolding because you're no longer living in the known. You're living in the unknown. Are you with me still? And I'm telling you, you're more alive and at your best when you're in the unknown than when you're in the known. Are you still with me? So then, if the brain is a record of the past, it's an artifact of everything you've learned and experienced to this moment, would you agree then, if you're not being defined by a vision of the future every single day, you're left with the old circuits of the past? Yes or no? And if you are living by the memories of the past and you're not installing any circuits into the future, then you're going to be predictable in your life. Yes or no? Come on. And if feelings and emotions are the end product of past experiences, and you remember experiences better because you remember how they feel, the moment you wake up in the morning and you say, let me see, let me think about my problems. Oh, now I'm starting to feel a little bit more like myself. Wait, 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 let me grab my cell phone and let me check my WhatsApp and my texts and my emails and my Facebook. And oh, Jennifer's eating carbohydrates. Did you see that? Oh, my God. And my high school boyfriend is looking for me. And the moment you begin to connect to your network of your personal reality, the moment you start turning on those circuits in your brain and you come back to your senses and you get connected to those emotions that have defined you based on memories, and those emotions are driving your thoughts, and you can't think greater than how you feel, you're thinking in the past. Yes or no? Yes. And you'll keep creating more of the same life. 
So then, think about this. You wake up in the morning, your brain, for the most part, is in the past, yes or no? Yes. Come on, poke the person next to you over there. <laughs> and would you agree then, if you connect to a familiar feeling or an emotion and those emotions are driving your thoughts and those thoughts are creating the same emotions and those same emotions are driving your same thoughts and those same thoughts are creating the same emotions that you're conditioning your body into the past yes or no and your body is the unconscious mind it doesn't know the difference between an experience in your life that's creating an emotion and an emotion that you're creating by thought alone. To so the body, it's believing and it's living in the same past experience 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Yes or no? And the body is beginning to continuously get the same information and it's believing it's in the same environmental condition, which means you're signaling the same gene in the same way. Yes or no? and now you're headed for a genetic destiny. Yes or no? And you've done nothing wrong. You're just taking too long. Because those emotions then will define you. And then someone will say to you, what's up? Why are you so angry? Why are you so bitter? Why are you so afraid? Why are you so in so much pain? Why are you suffering so bad? And you say, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> and then you tell a narrative, the story of your past, firing and wiring the same circuits in your brain, working yourself up into an emotional froth to keep signaling the body into the past, reaffirming your personality based on a feeling. And the latest research on memory says that 50% of what you're talking about isn't even the truth. <laughs> that you make stuff up. You embellish it. That memory is creative. And what that really means after all these years of studying this, when you ask a person that, means that they had an event or a series of events in their life that branded them emotionally. And when they tell that narrative, what they're really saying is, I haven't been able to change since that event. I've been altered from that experience. Yes or no? Yes. And they find people in their life that are the same emotion, the same energy, and they use each other to reaffirm their addiction to that emotion. And they get agreement for it. And they say, I can suffer more than you can. No, 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 I can suffer more than you do. Are you with me still? So then, the body becomes conditioned into the past, which means, for the most part, most people's biologies are anchored in the past. And if how you think and how you feel creates your state of being, and you're thinking the same thoughts that are creating the same feelings and the same emotions, and those emotions are influencing your thoughts, would you agree then you're signaling that same gene over and over again? And if genes are responsible for the structure and the function of the body and you keep selecting and instructing the same gene, you're going to wear that gene out. Yes or no? Yes. Just like gears in your car. Taking a fax of a fax of a fax of a fax or a copy of a copy of a copy, sooner or later it's going to lose its detail. Yes or no? Yes. And that's exactly what happens to the body. The body begins to break down because those proteins are responsible for your physiology, for your structure. 
So then if immune cells make immune proteins, and you're living in fear every single day, you're living in anger and resentment and impatience every single day, then you're signaling the same gene in the same way, yes or no? And if you keep doing that for a period of time, sooner or later you're going to program that gene and all of a sudden the body's going to get unhealthy. Yes or no? Yes. And look, you know, people say, well, I did my meditation three days and nothing happened. <laughs> but I tell them, how long did it take you to create that condition? Tell me. So then if meditation means to become familiar with you got to become more familiar with the thoughts, behaviors, and emotions of your future than familiar with the thoughts and behaviors and emotions of your past. Yes or no? Yes. So then if you keep firing and wiring the same circuits in your brain, installing the circuits, the hardware becomes a software program, and it gets easier to think in unlimited ways. It gets easier to act like a wealthy person. It becomes easier then to cultivate the emotions of your future instead of the emotions of your past. And our students... People in this work, some of them have had horrific pasts. They've been abused. They've been traumatized. They have had very difficult conditions. And they stopped telling the story of their past. They started telling the story of their future, and they started believing more in that than their past. And when people come up to me and they vomit all over me about their past, I don't have a problem with that. I know that it's natural to do that. But I always ask them, listen to me, if you can't overcome that past in some way and you're feeling those emotions, you'll only talk about your past when you're feeling those emotions because those emotions bring you back to your past. Yes or no? Yes. Come on. Yes. But if you're having a great life, you never talk about your past anymore because you're no longer emotionally bound to it. Yes or no? Yes. So then the moment you start feeling emotional hint, you're back in your past, yes or no? So now reason this with me. Great experiments have been done on the fact that we emit light and information, that you are an electromagnetic being, that you are emitting energy and information, and all that energy is carrying a message. And if you're living every single day in the same energy, then your life should not change in any way. Yes or no? Yes. Come on. Yes. Come on. Stay with me. Yes. Did, did the gene thing throw you off? <laughs> so think about this. <clears throat> when you are living in fear, when you're living in anger, when you're living in resentment, you're living in survival because those emotions signal the stress response. Yes or no? Yes. And when you turn on that stress response, you are going to draw from this invisible field of vital energy around your body, that light and that information, and you're going to turn it into chemistry, and you're going to diminish your very field around your body. Yes or no? Yes. So then, when you perceive a threat, when you see a circumstance in your environment that is unpredictable or unknown, the moment you perceive that, you activate that fight-or-flight nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, and you're going to mobilize enormous amounts of energy to prepare yourself for that danger in your outer world. Yes or no? Yes. And you can do that on the short term because that's survival. 
But when the event is over, the body rests, parasympathetic nervous system turns back on, long-term building projects start to occur, you're starting to heal. And all organisms can tolerate short-term stress. But what if it's not a predator? What if it's your coworker? What if it's your boss? What if it's your sister-in-law? Because of some past experience, you're perceiving that condition in your environment based on your past, and you're turning on the same stress response as if you were being chased by a predator. Yes or no? And you keep going back into that environmental condition, and you knee-jerk in the same way, and you keep producing those same chemicals over and over again, same chemicals over and over again. Stress chemicals downregulate genes to create disease. It's a fact. Are you with me still? So then... If you're doing that for an extended period of time, and all of a sudden now, you become addicted to the very rush of chemistry that gives the brain and body a rush of energy, would you agree then, if you keep doing that over and over again like an addict, you need to feel angry? You need to feel lack. You need to feel unworthy because it reaffirms the emotional state. Are you still with me? Now, it gets a little bit weird here because we've got a big frontal lobe. And you can just call up a memory from the past. And the moment you call up the memory from the past, your body's in the past physiologically and emotionally. And you can begin to worry about the worst thing that could happen in your life. Out of the infinite potentials in the quantum field, you're going to select the worst case scenario. And you're going to begin to get ready for that event. And you are going to begin to change your emotional state in preparation for the worst thing that could happen. Because in survival, if you prepare for the worst, you have better chances of surviving. Are you with me still? Now, I would call that a limited imagination. Yes or no? But in survival, though, when you're in stress, then, if you prepare for the worst and it doesn't happen and something less happens, you have a better chance of living. And this is the primitive survival gene that begins to become activated. And people spend their entire life doing this. And all they're doing is marrying a clear intention, a vision of their future, which is a very limited point of view, and embracing it with a familiar emotion of the past. And they're expecting their past to be their future. And if how you think and how you feel creates your state of being, that person's past is going to be their future. Are you with me still? So then, reason this with me. If you can turn on the stress response just by thought alone, and the hormones of stress give the brain and body a rush of energy, and people become conditioned or addicted like, like junkies to those emotions, then would you agree with me then? If you can turn on that stress response just by thought alone, that you can become addicted to your own thoughts. Yes or no? And if the hormones of stress are highly addictive and you're using your boss or your coworker or your sister-in-law or your finances to reaffirm your addiction to that emotion, is it possible you become addicted to the life you don't even like? Yes or no? And this is why change is so hard. And if you can turn on the stress response just by thought alone and the hormones of stress downregulate genes to create disease, then your thoughts could make you sick. Yes or no? So, okay, let's go out on a limb here. If your thoughts could make you sick, is it possible that your thoughts could make you well? Okay. So then that means then that you would have to start a process 
of no longer drawing from this invisible field of vital energy and turning it into chemistry and diminishing your own light field. When you do that over time in chronic stress and you keep drawing from this invisible field of energy and turning it into chemistry, you have no light field. Yes or no? Yes. Come on. Yes. So now you're more matter and less energy, more particle and less wave. And in fact, the hormones of stress cause you to narrow your focus on objects and things and people because that's where the danger is. And when the hormones of stress kick in and your brain waves go into high beta and you're aroused, you're going to pay attention to your outer world and you're no longer going to want to believe in your inner world possibility. Are you with me still? And if the survival gene is switched on, then you won't want to go in, close your eyes and create because it's not a time to create. It's not a time to focus on the unknown. It's a time to prepare yourself for what could be lurking behind those corners. And it's not a time to learn. It's not a time to open your heart. It's not a time to be vulnerable. It's not a time to sit still. It's a time to run, to fight, or to hide. And people spend the majority of their life living by these hormones. And those hormones cause us to become materialists, using our senses to define reality. And if you can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it, you can't feel it, it doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, people all of a sudden give up possibility. And now, when they're more matter than energy, they will try to force outcomes, control outcomes, predict outcomes, fight for outcomes, because they are matter trying to change matter. Are you with me still? And as people begin to try to control and predict all the different things in their life when they're aroused by these chemicals, each person, each object, each thing, each place, each experience has a neurological network in their brain because they've experienced them already, yes or no? And as they shift their attention from one person to one problem or one thing, they start activating these different circuits over and over again. And all of a sudden, if you measure that in the brain, the brain gets highly incoherent. It's a house divided against itself. And when your brain is incoherent, you're incoherent. And when your brain isn't working right, you're not working right. And at the exact same time, when this vital energy is being drawn and turned into chemistry, the heart, the center of oneness, the center of wholeness, your first step to divinity right here, the bridge, your connection to the unified field, it loses its energy and all of a sudden it starts to beat very incoherently. And the emotions of resentment and impatience and hatred and violence cause the heart all of a sudden to no longer be in balance. And all of a sudden we no longer trust our heart. What we want to do is protect ourselves from everyone and everything in our life and we no longer trust. And if you can't trust in the unknown, then it doesn't exist. And people understand when they're living by the hormones of stress unconsciously to run from the unknown because the unknown you can't predict and it's being in that state of the unknown and not being able to predict your future that actually creates the stress response. So nobody takes a chance in possibility and everybody's waiting for everybody to do it. Are you with me still? And when you narrow your focus on matter and on objects and things and people, 
you're focusing on the particle in quantum physics and you're eliminating the wave of possibility. And where you place your attention is where you place your energy. And if all of your attention is on matter, then energy doesn't exist from you and you will feel separate from the field. You will live in lack. And you will say, I feel empty and I need that thing to make me feel better. And once I get that thing, I'm going to experience the emotion of it. And when I get it, then it's going to make me feel better. But when the novelty wears off, here comes the emptiness again. So then you say, I'm in lack again. I need one of those. So then you've got to go to work. And you've got to drag your body through space. And when you drag your body through space, you experience time. So then you've got to go back and forth to work to make the money to pay for the thing that's going to fulfill some lack. But it never does. Are you with me still? And people then, all of a sudden, after 30 years, they have their car, they have their house, they have the relationship, and they're too exhausted to enjoy it. Are you with me still? Yes. And that's called normal. <laughs> but would you agree with me then? If you're waking up in the morning, come on, stay with me. <clears throat> if you're waking up in the morning and you're not being defined by some vision of the future, and your biology is in your past, and you get up and start your day, when you see the same people and you go to the same places, and you do the exact same thing, and you see the same object in your life, it's your environment that's influencing how you think and feel. Yes or no? And you will be thinking and feeling in the past because your biology is in the past. Yes or no? Come on. So if you see the same people and you go to the same places and you do the exact same thing at the exact same time, you would have to agree with me then that your personality is no longer creating your personality. Your personal reality is creating your personality. Your environment is controlling how you think and feel. Yes or no? Yes. And as long as you're reacting equal to your environment, you should create more of the same environment. Come on. Yes. And there should be a nice biological dance, a perfect match between your neurocircuitry, your chemistry, your genes, your hormones with what's going on in your life. There's a tango going on between your inner world and your outer world. Yes or no? Yes. So then, your environment is actually controlling you. You're a victim to the circumstances in your life. And you see the person, you unconsciously react. You go to the certain place and you think about in the past how it was. And so then... If how you think and how you feel creates your state of being and you keep thinking the same thought that keeps producing the same emotion, that same emotion is influencing how you're thinking. You're hardwiring your brain and conditioning your body emotionally into the past. Yes? And if you do that enough times, thinking and feeling in the same way, the body becomes the mind of that emotion. Now the servant has become the master and the body's running the show. Yes or no? And so then if the body then has become the mind of that emotion, then to change then would be, great, be becoming greater than your body. Yes or no? And if your environment has that much influence on how you're thinking and feeling, then to change then is to be greater than your environment. Yes or no? And if you're waking up every single morning, coming back to your senses, looking at the person next to you saying, Oh my God. God, who is that? How did I get here? Jeez. Wait, wait, let me think of all my problems. Okay, I'm starting to feel like myself. Let me get my cell phone. Let me check. Okay, now I'm feeling like myself. And then you get up 
and you go through the same routine behaviors in your habitat, you have the vision of the toilet, and the next thing you know, you're in front of the toilet. (laughs) Then while you're on the toilet, you have the vision of the coffee maker, and there you are, you're in front of the coffee maker. And then while you're drinking your coffee, you have the vision of the shower, and there you are in the shower. And while you're in the shower, you get super creative about the clothes you're going to wear, and next thing you know, you're dressed. And your body is always following your mind, but it's following it to the known. Are you with me still? And let's just say you drive to work the same way and see the same people and go to the same grocery store and buy the same food and watch the same television shows, and then you get in front of the mirror at night and you put your lotions and potions and creams on and floss the same way and brush your teeth, and you go to bed and you wake up in the morning, and you're doing the same exact thing, yes or no? Would you agree then we can take your past and lift it up and set it on your future? Yes or no? Now, that's karma. That's it. That's karma right there. And so then if you've done that enough times, a habit is a redundant set of automatic, unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through frequent repetition. A habit is when you've done something so many times, your body now knows how to do it better than your mind. Are you with me still? So if you wake up in the morning and you're doing that, would you agree then your body's on autopilot and it's dragging you into a predictable future based on what you did in the past and you're unconscious, yes or no? And I assert that when you are not in the present moment, you're running a program. So don't take anything personally from somebody because they're just running a program as well. Are you with me still? So then... Think about this. Would you agree then that if you are going to heal your body by thought alone, to create some new experience in your environment by thought alone, to create some new future that's no longer your past by thought alone, then you would have to become thought alone. Yes or no? Come on. So then would you agree then if your environment is so strong in conditioning you into the past, would you agree then maybe it would be a good idea to sit down at the beginning of your day, close your eyes, and disconnect from your external environment? Yes or no? So then if you're seeing less things in your external environment because you've closed your eyes, all of a sudden now your environment isn't going to control how you think and feel. Yes or no? And what if you were to play soft music in the background or put earplugs in and diminish more sensory information coming in from the environment? Would you agree you'd start putting more attention on your inner world instead of on your outer world? And what if you said to your body, hey, sit right here and stay right here. Don't you get up yet until I tell you it's time to get up. And your body is going to buck and kick like an unbridled stallion. I'm busy. I got a lot to do. I got got emails to check. I got meetings to go to. Because you programmed it that way. Yes or no? And every time you say to the body, stay, are you telling it it's no longer the mind that you're the mind? Yes or no? And now the will is becoming greater than the program. Yes or no? And all of a sudden, if you became conscious that you were angry or emotional or suffering and you became aware 
that that emotion was keeping you into the past and driving your brain into high beta, and you became aware of it. And then you settled your body back down into the present moment, and you kept taking it out of the past. Sooner or later, the animal is going to surrender. Yes or no? And when it does, you are going to liberate energy. You are going to go from particle to wave, from matter to energy. And when that happens now, all of a sudden, you start feeling a little bit more joy and energy starts to move right there. Are you with me still? And if you are uncompromising to the eternal present moment, the generous present moment, and you keep coming back to the present moment, coming back to the present moment, and you understand where you place your attention is where you place your energy, and you're no longer thinking about the people you have to see and the places you have to go and your cell phone and your computer and your emails and the news, and you keep returning your attention back to the present moment, would you agree then you're disinvesting your energy out of the known future and you're making room for the unknown in your life? Yes or no? So then in meditation then, if you are literally going to make some type of change and effect your outer world, you're going to have to put most of your attention on your inner world and you're going to have to become greater than the conditions in your environment and disconnect from your environment. You're going to have to sit your body down and overcome your body and you're going to have to transcend time. Are you with me still? So then when you're living by the hormones of stress and you're in a threatening situation and the survival gene is turned on, then you're going to spend the most of your time thinking about your environment. Yes or no? And what is your environment made of? People? Pets, things, objects, places, time. Yes or no? And when you're living by the hormones of stress and that survival gene is conditioned and turned on, would you agree that you better pay attention to your body if you're being chased by Mr. Big? Yes or no? So most people start to put all of their attention on their body and they start believing that they're their body. Are you with me still? And if you're living by the hormones of stress and you're trying to predict the future based on the past, and you would have to agree with me then, the only, when, when you're in the present moment, you can't be in stress. Because there is no future and there is no past. There's only the present moment, yes or no. So then meditation is about that. And what we've measured over and over again when we've done this is I now know without a doubt, without a doubt, that you are at your absolute best when you get beyond yourself, Period. And I can tell you right now, you can't tell me you're too old. You can't tell me you're too out of shape. You can't tell me about your past. You can't tell me about your disease. I have seen transformation and shifts in people's bodies independent of how how old they are, how out of shape, how in shape, their wealth, their social status. I've seen it happen on all cultures, all ages, all kinds of people. Are you with me still? So then... If you start taking your attention off your body, then would you agree that you would become nobody? Yes or no? Yes or no? And if you took your attention off all the people in your life that you have to take care of and make sure everything's in place, and all those people have created your identity, that the moment you take your attention off all those people in your life, you become no one. Yes or no? Come on. And if you're not thinking about the things you own and all the objects 
your computer, your cell phone, then all of a sudden you're in nothing. Yes or no? And if you take your attention off the place you have to go or the place you're sitting and you get so lost in your inner world that there's no longer an outer world, then you're in nowhere. Yes or no? And if you are not thinking about the predictable future or the familiar past and you are in the generous present moment, then you are in no time. Are you with me still? And that means then you're no longer your face. You're no longer your pain. You're no longer your job. You're no longer your gender. You're no longer your diet. You're no longer your profession. You're no longer a mother. You're no longer a father. You're no longer a kid. You're no longer your culture, your skin color. You're no longer your name. You are nobody. No one, no thing, nowhere, and no time. And in that moment, you are walking into the door to the quantum field. You are passing through the eye of the needle. Are you with me still? And now here's what happens when this occurs. And we've measured this enough times. When you're thinking about all those people and things and problems and conditions in your life and your brain is aroused because of the hormones of stress and you're in survival and you're activating all those circuits in your brain, your brain is firing very incoherently and your heart is out of rhythm and you're drawing from this field and turning it into chemistry and you're more matter and less energy, that there comes a moment where all of a sudden a person has to settle down and there's chaos going on within them. They're disconnecting from their environment and it's the unknown. And they have to work in trusting in the unknown more than the known. And as they do this properly and they get beyond themselves and they're no longer thinking about those people, they're no longer thinking about their pain or their body, they're no longer putting their attention on objects or things or places in time. If they're no longer activating these circuits in the brain because they're no longer thinking about them, guess what happens? Their brain waves begin to change from beta brain waves, high beta aroused state, into alpha. And in alpha, all of a sudden, the inner world starts becoming more real than the outer world. The brain starts to imagine. And when you're out of the way and you're no longer thinking and feeling in the same way and you're changing your brain waves, as you change your brain waves, you're falling right into the autonomic nervous system. And as your brain waves slow down, all of a sudden you're connecting to that autonomic nervous system that wants to just do one thing, create order and balance in your body. And it says, she's gone. She's out. And it steps in right into the neocortex. And when it steps right into the executive brain, all of a sudden it starts taking those different compartments of the brain that were no longer working together and starts to synchronize them. And all of a sudden you see the front of the brain talking to the back of the brain. We've seen this so many times. You see the right side of the brain talking to the left side of the brain. And all of a sudden you see the brain starting to move into a more holistic state. And what sinks in the brain links in the brain. And all of a sudden, the person starts to feel connected to something greater. Are you with me still? And the moment that that happens, we can predict it now. The neuroscientists that come and study our work, we say, she's going to pop. <laughs> what do you mean? Just watch. She's going to pop. And all of a sudden, the brain starts working together. 
And as they're no longer thinking and they're no longer putting their attention on objects and matter and people and things, and they're all of a sudden putting their attention within them, and that brain starts functioning in a holistic way, it starts to synchronize, and those brain waves become highly coherent. And all of a sudden, when that happens, that energy moves right into the heart. And at that time, we've measured this, all of a sudden, that person starts to feel whole. When that brain, that right hemisphere and that left hemisphere come together and it starts to synchronize the union of polarities, the union of duality, the union of separation or opposites is called wholeness, it's called love. And the moment those two hemispheres come together, that energy breaks right into the heart and the person's heart goes into super coherence. And the field around their body can be up to eight feet wide, nine meters wide. Now they're more energy than matter, more wave than particle, and they feel connected to something greater, and they would never try to control an outcome. They would never try to force an outcome. They would never try to predict an outcome because they understand that all they have to do is put their attention on possibility, and their body's going to follow their mind to the unknown. And it's so amazing when this happens. You can see the person's heart go into coherence. You can see their brain go into coherence. And you can walk around while they're in the meditation. You can look at them like this. And there are tears of joy rolling down their face. They are being baptized by the divine. They are connected to the unified field. And the unified field is that quantum field that governs all the laws of nature. And when that occurs, they feel so whole and so in love with life, and so in love with themselves, it's impossible to want. How can you want when you feel whole? You feel like you have everything. And that's the moment the magic happens over and over again. And there is a biological, neurological, genetic upgrade in that person when they connect to the unified field. And when you connect to the unified field, you will go from somebody to nobody, to everybody. From someone, to no one, to everyone. From something, to nothing, to everything. From somewhere, to nowhere, to everywhere. And from some time, to no time, to every time. Isn't that the quantum field? And when that occurs, you will feel so connected and so whole. When, you are, when you're in that state, you no longer experience separation. You no longer are saying, I need that. You're saying, I already have it. I don't really need anything. And when you're in that state, guess what happens? You go from selfish, driven by the hormones of stress, to selfless. And all of a sudden, that heart of yours begins to open. And the innate capacity in you to give, to take care of, to nurture, to serve is who we really are. And all of a sudden, you create a community of people that are in love with each other and they understand the way that we survive is in cooperation, no longer in separation. Are you with me still? So imagine this. Imagine. I always say that the thought that you think is the electrical charge in the quantum field and how you feel is the magnetic charge in the quantum field. And how you think and how you feel is broadcasting information into the field. 
Are you with me still? Come on. So then if you have drawn from your visible field of energy and turning it into chemistry, and you're more matter and less energy, you're separate from that field, it's going to take a long time for your dreams to occur. Yes or no? Because we live in a realm where there's infinite space. Look, at space goes on forever, yes? And the way we experience time is as matter as we drag our body through space. Let's go get that. And if we drag our body through space, it's going to take time. So it's going to take time for you to get your dreams because you're matter trying to change matter. Yes or no? But if you're in a realm, and Einstein said, I didn't say this, Einstein said it, the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. He didn't say the particle is the sole governing agency of the particle. Matter doesn't affect matter. Energy affects matter. Are you with me still? So then if you were in the field, then you should be able to connect to that energy and begin to exert greater effects on matter. Yes or no? But doesn't that mean you can't take your body there, right? Can't take your face, can't take your weight, can't take your vegetarian diet, can't take any of it. You got to leave that all there. You got to go as consciousness. You got to go as an awareness. Yes or no? Now we've measured this enough times. Imagine 750 people in a room, in an advanced workshop. They have overcome themselves. The first day is all about overcoming themselves. And we know that the energy in the room usually goes up slightly because we measure it, or it goes down slightly, or it goes up a little bit. Because as people begin to break their emotional bonds with everyone and everything in their life, they're drawing energy from the field and they're building their own vital field of energy. Yes or no? So then we should see the energy in the room drop. And we do because, hey, if you're using your best friend to reaffirm your addiction to suffering, hello, am I getting too close? And then you're breaking that addiction, then you're going you're gonna to no longer be bound to that person energetically and you're going to start calling energy to build your own field. Because all of that suffering, all of those emotions, all that guilt, all that resentment is your creative energy that's tied up. Are you with me still? So there's no energy to create with. So then as you're drawing from this invisible field of energy and you're bringing it, breaking the bonds with your past, present reality, the energy of the room will drop. And we've measured it. But when people start to overcome themselves, all of a sudden they start to contribute to the field of energy in the room. Now all of a sudden their heart starts to become more coherent. How do we know that? We measured it. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your skin color, your gender. I don't care about any of that. When people finally open up this center and we teach them how to do it, and I just was in a long meeting with the, the HeartMath Institute that we partner with, and he keeps telling me, your results are supernatural. And I keep telling him, our students are supernatural. Imagine 750 people in the room. They're overcoming themselves. And they start activating this center, their center of oneness, their center of wholeness, their connection to the unified field. And as the heart starts getting coherent and it starts creating elevated emotions like gratitude, people are feeling the emotions of their future that begin to create holism and oneness. And not just doing it for a few seconds. We want our students to sustain it 
to make it a skill to regulate internal states independent of the conditions in their external environment. And our students can hold it for 45 minutes. Imagine, the heart is in super coherence. When that heart starts to beat in rhythm and they're sustaining it, all of a sudden that field starts to expand. That energy starts to become very coherent, like dropping a pebble in water after pebble after pebble, and it's creating this wave. And that's the magnetic field around the body. Are you with me still? A measurable magnetic field. This is science. And that energy is a frequency. And all frequency carries information. So imagine then 750 people in the room opening their heart with an elevated emotion like the joy for existence, the love for life, the inspiration to be alive, care, kindness, compassion, activating this center, the union of duality, and they're putting out a measurable, coherent magnetic field. And if all that frequency carries information, they lay the thought, the intent on that energy. And what if you had 50 people in the front of the room wearing heart rate monitors? And they're sitting there, and the rest of the room is sending the thought on that energy for the greatest good for those people sitting in the front of the room. You tell me then how majority of those people, how their hearts all go into coherence at the exact same time, on the exact same day, in the exact same meditation. You see, we are bound by that field of love and energy. Are you with me still? And that's what creates community. So then when you start to open your heart, every single person that you are connected to, you begin to have an effect on because you are entangled in energy. Are you with me still? So then when that person starts to go into heart coherence and they start producing a measurable coherent field and their brain is in coherence, there's research that shows that the heart and the brain are communicating not just by nerve cells and nerve tissue, that they're interfering and creating a coherent electromagnetic signature. And the heart begins to act like an, like an amplifier and it begins to affect the brain, becoming more coherent. The brain sends a more coherent message to the heart and all of a sudden the person is in a whole different state of being. And that state of being is what I call the natural state of being. That's who we really are when we're not separate, when we're not warring, when we're not deceiving, when we're not competing, when we're not prejudiced, when we're not living in fear and hostility. It creates separation. That's who we innately are. Are you with me still? So then, if your energy becomes coherent and the person next to you's energy is coherent and those two energy fields come together and they start interacting and they start interfering, they're going to create a bigger amplitude, a bigger wave. Yes or no? And the bigger the amplitude, the higher the energy. Yes or no? And then the higher the energy, then the more energy we should see in the room. Yes or no? And we've measured the energy in the room and it always goes up in our events because the divine is present. And the person then becomes more energy than matter, more wave than particle. And now we used to see <clears throat> years ago small changes in our events. You know, people having here and there some wonderful experiences. And now it's happening in shorter and shorter amounts of time. And the higher the energy, 
the faster the frequency, the more connected they are to the unified field, the shorter amount of time it takes for it to occur. Are you with me still? And I can tell you without a doubt, I've looked at over 8,000 brain scans. I can tell you that when you analyze your life within some disturbing emotion that's created by the hormones of stress, you are going to make your brain worse because those emotions are the past and you're thinking in the past. And if you're aroused by those stress hormones, you're going to drive it further and further into high beta. We've seen it over and over again. I can tell you without a doubt that your brain doesn't change your brain. I can tell you that the program doesn't change the program. The ego doesn't change the ego. The personality takes a long time to change the personality. It's only when you become pure consciousness. That's the moment you have an effect on matter. Are you with me still? And imagine then, we've seen this now, when a person truly connects to that unified field, and we can predict now almost when it's going to happen, if their brain is being measured, would you agree then you should see higher energy in the brain? Yes or no? So then when a person, listen to this, is connecting to that unified field where all possibilities exist and they no longer feel separate from their dreams, they feel connected to their dreams, all they have to do is put their attention and their awareness on what already exists. Yes or no? Come on, that bounced off some of you. Poke the person next to you, please. So if you're in a field where all possibilities exist and you feel connected to everyone, everything, everywhere, every place, every time, then you don't have to try to create anything. All you have to do is pick it. Yes or no? Put your observation on it. Experience it. Become aware of it. So then imagine students, and I've labored for three years, almost four years, to have our students be able to sit in a meditation for an extended period of time and get beyond their bodies. And now our students, our advanced students, they can sit for as long as I, they want to sit. They, they, they know how to do it. They can change their brain waves in four seconds, five seconds, nine seconds, 12 seconds. It's not like, hey, I'm getting to the quantum field before you. It's not like that. <laughs> it's more like a skill, yes or no? And imagine we had all these wonderful, wonderful elders in our event in Tampa just a few months ago. And you can't tell me that you're too old to do this because I saw them connect. And one lady in her late 70s said, I lost my spiritual virginity today. <laughs> she connected. So imagine then when the person truly connects to that field and they begin to tap into a greater frequency. It should be measurable in their brain, yes or no? And imagine we're capturing amplitudes of energy that have never been recorded in the history of neuroscience. And we can say when that occurs, she can't make her brain do that. It's happening to her. And while that's going on, we're doing all this amazing research, the brain is in deep, deep, deep delta. That person their body is sound asleep and their mind is turned way on. They are way in that autonomic nervous system. And when that occurs, they all of a sudden connect to a greater frequency. 
and all of a sudden we see these amplitudes of energy. It looks like a snowstorm on the EEG, on the, on the brain scan. And I know that person is having a full-on sensory experience without their senses. They are having an inward experience that's greater than their trauma, their betrayal, their shock, their diagnosis, their fear. Whatever's happening between their ears is more real than anything that's happened in their external environment. Now think about this. If you're having a full-on sensory experience without your senses, what would happen right now if your senses were amplified by 30%? What if everything you were seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting, feeling, what if your senses were amplified by 25% right now? Would your awareness of reality be amplified by 25 or 30%? Yes or no? And if your awareness is amplified, then your consciousness is amplified. Yes or no? And you can't have consciousness without energy. They're married. So the energy of the brain goes up. And then the next thing you know, the inward experience rewires the brain in an instant. And it sends a new emotional signal, but it's not emotional. Emotions like fear and guilt and shame, they're slow energy. It's an elevated energy. They're, it's not emotional. It's energetic. They're getting an electrical charge in their body. And they'll say, I was baptized in light. Light filled my entire body. And that is the moment they're getting a new emotional signal to the body. And the receptor sites on the outside of the cells are a hundred times more sensitive to frequency and to energy than they are to chemistry. And in one second, that person is transformed. And that's what's happening now in our work. Are you with me still? <clears throat> so, uh, I don't really want to argue quantum superimposition any longer. I don't want to talk about theory any longer because my heroes, the people that I want to be with, are people just like you. That I don't care about keynote lectures or conferences. I'm bored with them. I've outgrew them. I want to be with doers. Imagine we were in Italy just a few months ago running an advanced workshop. I have a whole new team of neuroscientists that we're working with. And I was trying to get to these guys. They're physicians and researchers, and uh, I'm trying to get to them to show them some of the crazy stuff to prepare them. Like, get ready, this is going to get wild. And they're busy doing all their brain mapping and get everything organized, and we're going to meet for lunch, and I get to lunch early, and then I have to go, and then I'm leaving, and they're coming in. In three days, we're doing this. I'm going to get to you guys, I'm going to get to you guys. And then after like three days, I'm like, nothing like an experience to cause a long-term memory. And I thought, the hell with it. Let them just have the experience, you know. So second day, Friday afternoon, I'm introducing a new meditation. And we have a room of 600-plus people. And I'm in the stage, and I'm leading the meditation. And all of a sudden, I see all this commotion going in the back there. And they're screaming and yelling. And my staff comes up, you better get back there, you know. So I go out the the, the back here and I go along the, the hallway and I come in the back and this is what they're saying, okay? And there's a woman sitting in the middle of this meditation and she's lit up. And when I mean lit up, she's having an experience. And the brain scientists are watching the screen and they're saying she's having a massive seizure. <laughs> now, they've never seen anything like this before. Here's the, 
here's the, 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 the humor in the situation. The woman who's sitting in the meditation is a physician from London. Are you with me? And she is connecting to the unified field, and she's getting an upgrade. <laughs> and she is on the fringe of this incredible loving intelligence, this intelligent love, and it begins to consume her because that's what the quantum field is. It's intelligent love. And she made up her mind. This is what she said before she started that discipline. She said, I have to prove to myself that this is possible, so I'm going to do it for everybody in this room. I'm not going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for everybody in this room. I got to get beyond my analytical mind because I have very, very rigid training. You with me? So here she goes. She gives it everything she has. She surrenders. She trusts in the unknown. She becomes nobody, no one, no thing, nowhere, and no time. And then I say, you're in that infinite field of information. Just because you can't see something, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Put your awareness on that field. Pay attention to it. Surrender to it. Feel it. Experience it moment after moment and become more aware of it. So then if you put your awareness on your nose, it exists, yes? yes. But if you don't have your awareness on it, it doesn't exist. Yes or no? Yes. Come on. Yes. So then if you don't have any awareness on the quantum field, it doesn't exist for you. Yes or no? Yes. Until you put your awareness on it. So I'm asking them to unfold deeper into the unified field and experience it. Put your awareness on it moment after moment and certain people start to connect to that energy, that coherent energy. And all of a sudden, in one second, her entire brain goes into gamma. Not just regular gamma, which is super consciousness. We're talking about lots of high energy gamma. It looks like, you know, crazy stuff. And the scientists are yelling back there. And I come back and they're going, she's I'm going to see you, she's I'm going to see you. I go like this. Put my hand on my go, quiet. And she's back there listening to them say, She's having a seizure. Now, she's a physician, and she's saying, oh, this is not a seizure. <laughs> she's not saying that. She's got, she has to decide, do I listen to that or do I keep going? And she just said, I'm going. And so she surrenders into this experience, and she's sustaining this high level of gamma, coherent gamma, super consciousness. All of her awareness is, uh, is on her inner world. In other words, she is aroused her sympathetic nervous system has switched on. And instead of switching on like being chased by a predator, instead of that energy being drawn from the field, sympathetic nervous system switching on and it's taking all that energy stored in the body and it's driving it up to the brain. And when it goes on, all of a sudden the brain goes into gamma and she's aroused from the inner experience. Are you with me? But it's not from a predator or from a danger. It's from the divine. And now she is in gamma. So I say to the scientist, shut up, let her have the experience, don't bother her, and get back here with that brain scan afterwards. So we have the break, they come back there and they're all sweating and they're freaked out. And, oh my God, yeah. So they show me this sustained gamma. And then, you know, my whole theory about the mystical is that it has, energy has to reach the pineal gland. When the pineal gland gets activated, melatonin all of a sudden starts to produce derivatives, metabolites, 
that create the mystical experience. Chemicals that create a phospholuminescent energy in the brain, create hallucinations or vivid imagery, uh, suppress the drives of the body, create antioxidants for healing, release chemicals like Valium that, that, that um, sedate the analytical mind. And the person's going to go mystical. They're going to go dimensional. And she went dimensional. And when we put up the three-dimensional imagery, the hologram of the brain, <laughs> the entire pineal gland was on fire. It was on fire. I knew in that moment that what we were doing was correct. So we had the scientists come up on the stage. You know, there's nothing like a good story. We bring the doctor up there. They, we show the brain scans. That scientists are like little kids, goofy and laughing. Ooh, I can't believe it. This is crazy stuff. It's not a seizure. You know, and you know, I mean, I spend hours with these people every week and go to meetings, and they're yelling at each other. This can't be. That. I'm going. It can be. Well, it's not normal. I know it's not normal. You got to think out of the box. So she tells the story of how the divine connected to her and said, hey, in imagery and profound information, I've always been with you. Welcome. And she was laughing and crying at the same time. And now this, this is not like a dream or visualizing. You understand this is a download. Yes? And with that information comes energy because you can't separate the two. She's getting a very profound message. She's on the stage sobbing, telling the story. And then the event ends in Italy, and um, we all fly back to Seattle. And when I land in Seattle, one of the researchers is a physician. She's a, a, a brilliant lady. And she sends me a picture of this woman who, who's the physician from London, and she had eczema from the time she was three months old. Now, she's a doctor now, right? She did the diet, she did the cortisol, she did all the creams, she did all the things, took all the Benadryls, and, and of course, all of that was matter trying to change matter. Yes or no? Yes. And so she got a little improvement, you know, and kept it at bay. So they sent me the picture of her arm with eczema covered all over her arm, and then two hands like this, and eczema all over her hands. Monday morning, they send me the picture, the next picture, of her arm, and there's no eczema on her arms anywhere, none, and no eczema except a little bit on the outside of her hand. So then, if you connect to that unified field of oneness and wholeness, then wholeness and oneness should be reflected in your biology, yes or no? Yes. And would you agree the more you surrender and get out of the way and get beyond your body and your face and your skin color and your culture and your problems and your past and your future and you trust in that unknown, the deeper you go into it, the faster the frequency, the shorter amount of time it should take to produce effects in your life. Yes or no? And people who do this work always say the same thing. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. And I always say to them, that's because you created it in nowhere. <laughs> Something appeared out of nothing. That's because you created it from nothing. It happened in no time. I know. You created it in no time. Yes or no? So then, the divine in you, in closing, has always been present with you. Yes or no? Yes. It's an omnipresent intelligence that's loving you into life. Yes? And so there's your outer environment, and if you want to hide the divine anywhere really well in a human being, you put it within them because they'll look everywhere else for it. Yes? 
So it's a presence, yes or no? And it's standing here and it's waiting. And you know when someone's present in your life with you because they're paying attention to you, yes or no? And you know when they're not present with you because they're not paying attention to you, yes or no? So imagine this presence that's waiting for you to do your meditation and you go like this, you're doing your meditation like that. God, I gotta meditate today. And it's going like, are you kidding me? Oh my God, I don't know if I can do... That's what you're bringing to it. And then while it's standing there waiting, you're thinking, I gotta take care of that person, I gotta check that email, I gotta do this thing. And all your attention is on your outer world and it's going, hello, I'm over here. And then would you agree that the moment you become nobody, no one, no thing, nowhere, and no time, you're taking your attention off somebody, someone, something, someplace, sometime, and you're becoming nobody, now you're looking at it, yes or no? And you walk through that eye of the needle. Once you get through it, then there's more. And if you can unfold deeper into the unified field, and as you move closer towards it, would you agree then you'll experience greater degrees of wholeness and oneness and less separation? That means you won't have to try to create your dreams. All you have to do is become aware that they already exist and experience them. Yes or no? So then the closer you get to it, the shorter amount of time it should appear in your life. Are you with me still? Come on. And what if you were to connect with it? Truly connect with it. Would you agree then? You will become more willful because it has an amazing will. Come on. You become more loving. It's a loving intelligence. Yes or no? You become more giving. It's a giver of life. Yes or no? You become more forgiving. It's forgiven you millions of times. Yes or no? You become more conscious. It's a consciousness. Yes or no? You become more mindful. It has an infinite mind. Its nature will become your nature. Its mind will become your mind. And people then in your life will say, something's up with him. He must have changed his medication today. Because as Dawson said, your nervous system is the greatest pharmacist in the world. And that common people just like you are doing the uncommon. And this day-to-day is to inspire you to begin to practice it in your life and to draw with a community of people that are actually doing it. And that they carve out a little time out of their busy day to present themselves to the world as a greater ideal. And if you can sustain and maintain a modified state of mind and body your entire day and keep your energy up, get ready because something unusual is going to happen in your life. It's the law. And I know it from experience it and I've witnessed it too many times. And it will come in a way that you least expect. Why? Because if you can expect it, it's nothing new. If you can predict it, it's more the same. It's got to be a surprise. It's got to rock your world. It's got to catch you off guard and it has to leave no doubt that what you did inside of you produced some effect outside of you. And when you can correlate the changes you made inside of you with the effect you produced outside of you, you're going to pay attention to what you did and you're going to do it again. And that's when we go from being a victim to being a creator. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 